Hello and welcome to the latest Society for the Environment podcast in our series, Interviews with Environmental Professionals. To provide a brief introduction, we are the Society for the Environment and we hold a Royal Charter, which was awarded in 2004, and we are the custodian of two professional registrations, the Chartered Environmentalist Register with the post nominals CN and the Registered Environmental Technician Register with the post nominals RM Tech. Our professional body members come from a wide range of industries and sectors, reflecting the diverse disciplines of the environmental profession. The number of experts registered as chartered environmentalists currently stands at over 7,400 worldwide. To view our licensed members or for more information about our organisation, please visit our website, socenv.org.uk. Let's get on with the podcast. I'm pleased today to be talking to one of our chartered environmentalists, Ross Weddle. Hello, Ross. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for joining us. Uh, can I ask you some questions, please? Yes, certainly. Excellent. So what is your current job and your role? That's um, not an easy answer because I wear a number of hats. So um, effectively, I'm a consultant, okay. but I'm also a research associate at one of the local universities, um, and I'm a company director several times over. So um, the consultancy role is principally forestry, and we mm -hmm. look at um, natural capital as a way of making woodland either when it's working or when it's being planned, more compliant with the UK forestry standard. Oh, okay. I mean, the next question on my list is, what are your expected tasks within your role? So could you expand on what you just said a bit? Okay. So the strap line on the, um, the company website and business yeah. card is, we work with communities, local authorities and landowners to enhance the productive social and environmental values of green space. The green space might be open countryside, it might be forested countryside. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it might be urban forestry, it might be parks, it might be um, green belt. All of the green space in the UK is effectively managed. Okay. And what we're trying to do is take that management to a new level by being able to consider the landscape as part of a whole, but also to be able to value the landscape and its interactions with people, with other areas, with clean air, with water, all of that sort of stuff with a view to being able to both protect it and enhance it for everybody's enjoyment. Excellent. What were your requirements for the role? I mean, what qualifications do you need to carry out the role you've got now? Well, effectively, I'm simply a, um, a, a BSC forestry person. But okay. um, that's sort of where I started and um, after 30 years of work I have a huge amount of experience in um, in particular in continuous cover forestry and um, urban forestry but I've also become um, an associate researcher at Northumbria University where we do all sorts of 
interesting environmental stuff. All oh, right. Yeah. So, um, what do you have to be? I don't know. Um, I'm actually quite happy to be a um, chartered environmentalist as well. That's what I wanted to hear you say. Um, <laughs> but so, in your current role, which sounds very interesting, what sort of challenges do you face? Um, there's always the workload challenge, whether there's enough of it or whether there's too much of it. Yeah. Um, to a large extent, um, I don't do all of the work. I recognise my limitations mm. and I bring in other people. So although, as an example, I'm competent with GIS, sorry, Geographic Information Systems, yeah. um, it's probably not worth my time slogging through um, all of the pieces of mapping that are necessary Mm. Um, when somebody who's actually does it as their job and is much more practiced can do it in a quarter of the time I can. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Any recent project highlights of things you've been involved in? Um, well, the most recent one, which is still ongoing, is um, something like 100 hectares of new woodland planting in Northumberland, where we're looking at a part of the estate which was managed by a tenant farmer um, who mm -hmm. decided his time is up and is retiring. Um, so the, the land there, which stretches from the River Valley all the way to the moor. I was going to say, that, that sounds like a lot. That, what you say, 100 hectares? Yeah. It sound, um, sounds huge, but you can't visualise what it is. So describing it like that makes, makes a bit more sense. Okay, describing it as from the river all the way. Well, yeah, I can picture that. So, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's um, it's a large hillside. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, and of course, it's already broken down into a field pattern. Um, most of the field pattern is um, structured with hedges. There are a number of shelter belts, and right. there is woodland dotted up that hillside. Yeah. Um, so most of that is now going to go under planting. So it's adding to what's already there. Yes, and it's yeah. it's making that um, both more productive with a different emphasis hmm. over the long run. Yeah, but um, creating something that people can walk past or drive past and think this is a nice bit of the world. Yeah, is that particularly rewarding? part of what you do knowing yeah, that producing something that people can enjoy that's probably the most important bit of my yeah. work from a satisfaction perspective um yeah. creating something that is um yeah. an ecosystem construction that okay. um people enjoy in the long run yes and and you feel like you make a difference in your role yeah absolutely good so why did you choose this profession Oh, <laughs> um, you know, as a child, were you interested in? I was going to say trees. Yeah, as a, as a child, I was always much more interested in the outdoors. Yes. Um, and as a young man, I set up a landscaping company, which was quite successful. Mm -hmm. um, but it was always scrambling for more work, and at the end of the day, it was a challenge that. 
didn't really produce anything that I was satisfied with. So I examined where I was going and concluded mm-hmm. that what I was most satisfied with was trees. Mm-hmm. Um, I went off and qualified as a forester, um, worked for um, local authorities for, I don't know, 20 years, um, okay. and then decided to uh, effectively go it by myself. Um, on the way, I became a chartered forester, and at the point where I decided to go for it by myself, I also became a chartered environmentalist, and here I am now. Was there anything that particularly influenced you on your sort of journey, your career path? Um, I mean, anybody? Well, the whole family has been a little bit about the countryside, farming, landscaping. Okay. Um, part of the working as a landscape contractor some of the jobs we did, planting trees seemed more satisfying than anything else. Yeah. So laying turf or um, weeding flower beds or mm. whatever is all very well, but you can do that in your own garden. And yes. um, it came to me that, you know, I was more interested in trees than anything else I was doing in that job. So, so is this where you developed... Uh, your first awareness of the uh, for the environment. Um, I don't know that it was my first awareness of the environment. Um, I mean, was that when you were younger? Much. Younger? I think that was. I was much younger when I was yeah. first yeah. aware of. I well, um, as a seven-year-old, my first book was oh, the Observer right. Book of Sedges, Grasses, and Rushes. <laughs> oh, lovely! <laughs> Have you still got that? Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> Reference material, I guess. <laughs> it's not actually that good as for reference oh, material. Right. Oh, um, oh, okay. <laughs> some of the pictures are a bit rubbish, but yeah. um, it was it was great from a kid's point of view. At that yeah. point, um, we had moved to a house on the Wirral. Okay. Um, and it was a a new development, and the rest of well. We lived on the last house, uh, in the last house on the the road, hmm. and the road simply petered out and turned into heathland. Oh, right. Um, so as a kid, um, I was quite happy to be able to play on heathland, although you know, yeah. that's all now been built on. Oh, uh, okay. But one of the things that fascinated me was um, all the living things on it, so... The first one, as I said, was um, grasses, sedges, and rushes. And fairly mm. shortly afterwards, I'd got butterflies and moths. Wow. Um, a number of them. I mean, effect, effectively, I, I think I had the first 30 oh. um, observer books by the time yeah. I was about 10. Wow. You say good foundations for the future. Yeah, and it's um, a broadening of the awareness of the environment in those days. Yes. Okay, so what does being a, a CM mean to you now? So I think being a CM has a, a serious responsibility in terms of upholding the environment, in terms of talking about the environment in a sane, practical way, um, in terms of 
querying other people's reaction or um, responses to the environment. Yeah. And very definitely when people don't see the environment as important, taking them not necessarily to task, but questioning why they don't see it as important. Does it give you credibility? In some spheres it does. Yeah. Um, Certainly from a professional perspective, it's useful. Yeah. Um, in other spheres, down the pub, for instance, it's, yeah. oh, God, it's that trio going again. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, um, yeah. even though um, it's that trio again, all yeah. those people will come and ask me questions about what do I do about oh, my tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you are. So you think it's important to be, be a recognised environmental profession? Very definitely, yes. How do you think this affects job opportunities? It's been very useful from a university perspective. It's been exceptionally useful from a consultancy perspective. Um, All of my clients um, have said at one time or another, we would not have chosen you if you were not chartered. Oh, right. So that's that, that, I mean that's important then, isn't it? That's uh, oh, absolutely yes. It sort of made you stand out from others. Yeah, which is what we all, we we always say to people. You know, why should I become a chartered environmentalist? Well, it helps you stand out, and as you've yeah. just described, it it does. So that's good. That's good to hear. There's also the the bit there that. Being a chartered environmentalist doubles your um, professional status. So mm. you can only get to be a chartered environmentalist if you're already a professional member of another body. Yes. Yeah. So the letters after your name um, grow in the same way as your status, but they only grow if you have the competence to actually get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, they, they mean something, don't they? Yes. Very meaningful. Okay, so what would you say to others thinking about a career in the environment? What advice would you give them? Would you encourage them? Yes. Good. (laughs) But more than encourage them, I would make them try it. Oh, right. Um, In the era, let's call it, that I started off in forestry, you had to spend two years working for a forestry company and I was quite fortunate in getting to work with the Forestry Commission as a what what I would then call a baby forester. Um, A baby forester? A baby forester, yes. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And it was quite hard work that two years Um, Mm. but I quite enjoyed it Um, and some of the other people that were there with me just couldn't hack it they effectively gave up moved on whatever um so the first thing to do is find out whether you enjoy it and yes um if you've decided you do enjoy it the next bit is then to obtain whatever sort of qualifications you need um or want yeah or the career you wish to pursue um makes sense Having got those qualifications, um, 
spending a reasonable time in practice and on the back of that becoming a chartered professional mm-hmm. um, and then again on the back of that becoming a chartered environmentalist um, one of the issues that we deal with on the um, Society for the Environment board is the the need to recruit young people. Yes. But at the same time, there's almost a, a bottom end on young people because mm. 25 to 30 years old is probably the time when um, most young people are going to be chartered and be looking at becoming a chartered environmentalist. Yeah. Um, given that aspiration is there, um, it really only makes sense starting to seriously try and recruit people yeah. as chartered environmentalists, from my perspective, at about 30 years. Mm. Yeah. I suppose the other side of that is that encouraging people to go into the environment as a career probably needs long-term mentors. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that something you do? It's not something that I do deliberately, but I do have a number of young people, some of whom are starting to be getting quite old now, (laughs) people younger than myself, who I've kept in touch with over the years. Okay. We yeah. talk to um or we talk together. Yeah. Um and sometimes they're looking for advice, sometimes they're just looking yes. for um a chat. Yeah. Other times they're wondering what to do next. And mm. all of that um That's all is part of becoming older and having that sort of wisdom almost. Yeah. And, and, and passing on that experience, yes, yeah, which which is I would have thought is rewarding in itself. Very definitely, yes. Yeah, good. So, what's next for you? What future projects have you got coming up? Well, strangely, um, at the moment, I'm also working um, on something called the Future Homes Alliance. So um, on the back of my urban green space experience, um, I ended up joining the Future Homes Alliance as their energy and greening expert or energy and environment expert. Okay. Um, And we're currently um, in planning for 65 homes um, in the middle of Newcastle upon Tyne. Okay. Um, the idea here is that the homes are designed as much broader um, age group accessibility. So we're actually looking yeah. at homes that are designed around children, designed around the disabled, designed around um, older people. Yeah. Rather than the the standard home at the moment, which is only designed around probably two fairly healthy adults with potentially two children. Mm. Um, And if you look at the bell curve of the population, 
it's only designed around possibly 40% of the population. And we're trying to design homes that are suitable for um, extended lifestyles. Yeah. When will they be done? When when When's that due to complete? Well, at the moment, we're in planning. So All right. um, <laughs> when we get planning... Okay. Um, okay. We we will appoint contractors and we will move on to building. So if we're yeah. really lucky, um, that'll be sometime middle of summer, twenty twenty one. Okay. Right. So it really is a future project. Yeah. Good. And you know the the other side of that in terms of the environment is actually designing houses that are environmentally friendly ah, that right. don't pollute that yeah. um, are incredibly energy efficient that capture energy from sunshine from wind from heat from the ground um, so this is a yeah. first stab at a development from the future homes alliance um, it's, it's certainly got potential isn't it to make a difference Hopefully, yes. Yeah, good. So that seems to have gone quite quickly, but we've got to the last question on my list. So if you were able to influence world leaders for a day, what would be the first thing you'd do? Now, it doesn't have to be environment-related. But it would be environment-based for me. Um, well, I, would, I, I would have thought so. But yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be, but what would you, what would be the first thing you'd do? I'd probably take them for a walk in the woods. Ah. <laughs> okay. Any particular um, woods? If I knew that I was going to get the world leaders for the day, I would actually source a woodland that had logging, water problems, um, right. berries of beauty, yep. various different types of tree, um, and was on the outskirts of a town. So I would walk them from the town into the woodland and show them what's going on mm. and try to point out to them um, the value of the woodland, the value of being outdoors to people in the city, the value of being outdoors to country dwellers, um, the value of the ecosystems within the woodland and the fact that at the end of the day, although they might feel tired, they feel much more relaxed for some strange reason. And that relaxation as a yeah. result of working or walking through woodlands for the day is probably why I do it. Well, that sounds like it would be a benefit to all of us, yeah. not, not, not just the world leaders. So, uh, and I agree with that, but I, yeah. I do think a few world leaders ought to go for a few more Abs walks again. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you for that, Ross. That was very interesting. Thank you very much. Okay, Jeff. If you are curious to hear more about the CN or RM Tech registers, please take a look at our "How to Become" and "Why Become" recorded webinars on our website socm.org. UK, or visit our YouTube channel, Society for the Environment, where they are alongside our fascinating environmental webinar series, where you can like and subscribe. You can also follow us on Twitter at SOCM underscore HQ to keep up with all of the Society's latest news. 
We will release a new episode on the first Wednesday of each month, so if you are interested in our future podcasts, please subscribe to hear more from us. You can subscribe and review through Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.